Isn't, isn't the gospel the most amazing? It, I mean, it's the most amazing truth. It's reality. It's not my reality or your reality or my truth or your truth. It is the truth that God gave us eternal life. The wages of sin, we can work as hard as we want doing our own thing, and the wages of that is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. And he gave us his son. Isn't that amazing? I mean, aren't you thankful that Jesus endured Good Friday so he could give us resurrection? You know, I mean, isn't he, he's just so good. And it's such a gift. And it's not a philosophy or it's not something we're working. There's a righteousness according to the law that we have to work for and we all fail. <laughs> we all get like almost F plus, but not, you know, close, but no cigar. And then the free gift of God is abundant, glorious life that we would know and believe the love God has for us. God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him, God in her, that he invites us into this divine life, not just when we die and go to heaven. And, and how about that? He went through death so that our death isn't death unto oblivion, but it's a doorway into heaven. Oh, Jesus, isn't he good? And can it be, I, I don't know why this was on my heart this morning, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? I wish I could sing this to you, but you wouldn't like it. <laughs> Shabba, tis mystery all, the immortal dies. Who can explore his strange design? In vain the firstborn seraph tries to sound the depths of love divine. In case you don't know what that means, it means the devil can't understand the love of God. Tis mercy all, let earth adore. Let angel minds inquire no more. Not sure why. But <laughs> Maybe just because you know, will never fully understand the love of God. Oh, he left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite is grace, emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all, immense and free, for oh my God, it found out me. Woo! Amazing love, how can it be? This is my... They're all my favorite verses, but verse four is, since we don't sing hymns, I'm reading it to you like poetry, okay. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free, 
I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amen? <laughs> no condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Can we say amen? Amen. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, see, that was something special just for the second service. So, uh, you know, what an amazing truth we live in, isn't it? And even though, you know, we're surrounded by all kinds of darkness and we, you know, we can read the news and get terrified and depressed and sad and sorrowful that it's always true for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, that God, that all things work together for our good. Isn't that amazing? I mean, this, is, this promise is central to the entire Bible. Paul wrote it to the Roman Christians he had never met. He had met a few of them, but he had never been to Rome. They were right in the belly of the beast. They were right where, where Christians were being beheaded, where people were being tortured and tormented, and, and all of this, and he writes that the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings too deep for words. <laughs> and that everything... If we love him, he will, and we will see it one day and understand, he will cause everything to work together for our good. Because we love him, and in the process of being called according to his purpose, in spite of the tribulation and difficulties and darkness that's in this world, our souls are transformed and, we're, and Christ is formed in us. It's how we get holy. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're officially holy, but it's how we get experientially holy, that, that we live in faith, not by sight, and we don't judge according to our natural mind, but we judge all things by the word of promise that is given to us. Hallelujah. So, if, Holy Spirit, would you open up the word of God that it would be pure, creative light into our souls, that it would set us free, that it would change our minds, that it would inflame our hearts with love that cannot be quenched, that it would give us a freedom from this world that we can freely live for you, body, soul, and spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So, someday early last week, and I forget which day it was, but I... I, you know, I, re I read a few headlines that horrified me. That happened to any of you? Yes. Just like, oh, God. You know, I read something that happened in Canada that could happen here, I don't know, you know. But I just said, God, may we live for your glory, no matter what. I pray it doesn't happen here. But I, I just, um, a father was sentenced to five years in prison for refusing to call his daughter a boy. Yeah, that was a nice law. Anyway, um, and you know, before he went to prison, he said, I, I just want to say that one day my daughter will thank me that I fought for her. So let's, okay, go on. But so I, you know, something like this 
came across my screen, and I just, my heart breaks for the children, and I said, God, I need a word. You know, I need to hear from you, and it's rare and that this happens, but God just, he gave me a series of words. They were just like words or very short phrases, and God often speaks to me that way. It could be my attention span, I'm not sure, but it, it's like, and here's what he said. I said, God, what, you know, what's your word for this time? He said, awake. I said, oh, I like awakening. Awake, arise, count it all joy, which is the transformation. That's our authority that we take no matter what comes to us, and we determine that it's joy. And that takes a lot of faith, you know. But, it, but this is what allows patience to be formed in us and have its perfect work so that we're complete and entire, lacking nothing. It's like this is the transformation that no matter what comes. But first we have to wake up. We have to arise. We have to, then we, we rule over situations by just deciding, I'm gonna count this all joy because I know that I may not even see it in this lifetime, but it's gonna work for my good and for the good of the world around me. And then the, the next word he said was really a comfort. He said, no eye has seen, and I knew what he meant from his, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard. It hasn't entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And this is a, a moment in time we're living in where the Holy Spirit is unlocking mysteries and, and bringing us into things that were prepared and treasured up just for this day and this hour. And the last one was that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. It, from uh, you know, 2 Chronicles 16, the eyes of the Lord are always running, scouring the face of the earth, looking for those whose hearts are blameless toward him so that he can show himself strong. Amen. So that, it just totally reoriented me. I got like, ah, oh, I get it. So anyway, Jesus help us. So I, I thought, well, if I tried to pack this all into one sermon, it would last too long. And so I, I thought, I just want to share with you, because I've been thinking about awake, you know, why do we need to wake up? Like, you know, hey, we're awake already. We've been, you know, we've been risen, you know, we've been raised from the dead. We're new creation. But, you know, sometimes we go to sleep for various reasons. We get sleepy. And I don't know about, do you know what happens sometimes while we're asleep? A thief comes and steals all our stuff. And the th thing is, the thief never wants you to wake up. Just like, Oh, how's that? Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Just, you know, uh, hey, what's that moving truck, you know? And they're carrying all our furniture out and robbing us like, oh, you know, hey, just put the pillow over my head. It came. So awake is really important. And so when, when, when I heard awake, there, two things popped into my mind right, right away, which was one was from the book of Judges, the song of Deborah, one of the lines says, awake, awake, oh Deborah. Oh, and then Barak will rise up. And there was something about the waking of Deborah, the prophetess, that released the warfare and the victory uh, through Barak. And that's, a whole, that's not what I'm going to preach about. But the other thing that popped into my mind was a, a verse that, you know, I don't know when I was a young Christian, it was all new to me. I was 21. I'd never read the Bible. And so you know, I would hear things, and sometimes they were poetic, and they would just, they would grab me, especially, you know, King James was like, this was a part of my brain I hadn't used, you know, because I, 
And, uh, and so I heard this uh, quoted or something, or I read it, I'm not sure, but it grabbed me from Romans 13, 11. It says, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, put on the armor of light, not run around and do bad things like we used to do before we knew Christ. Verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And that, that one, it just became one of those things like there was something about it that grabbed me. And now, knowing the time, this is why we wake up. Uh, you know, and New King James and many other translations say, and this, knowing the time, now it is high time. High time? I thought, whoever says high time? Actually, my mother used to say high time. She'd go, well, it's high time you did that. I'm like, and I, under, I thought it was normal because when you're a kid, however your parents speak, you'd think it's normal. But as I got out, in society at large, it's been a long time since someone told me it was high time. But high time, it just means this is the hour. Let, I love this from the New American Standard. It says, and do this. And you might wonder, well, what's this? This is what he talked about before that, that we love one another, that we love our neighbor as ourselves. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love fulfills the law. That's what we do knowing the time. Knowing means that we act like we're, we're it's not just sort of an, an intellectual knowledge, but it's an, like we realize this is important. This is happening now. I know the time, the word time there is kairos, which kind of has this, I, that's not really how the Greek people say it, but that's how, especially in Texas, they say it. But the uh, kairos is that word that, is indicate, that indicates a moment in time an appointed time, and a season of opportunity. This, we are living in a season of opportunity. I, I mean, last week, ooh, you know, I, the, the atmosphere in here was so supernatural that the, the, the heavens were so opened up and there were all kinds of healings taking place. People were getting filled with the Spirit and getting saved without anyone even working at it because God was doing it. It was the time. It was a Kairos time. And, but listen to this. Know, and do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believe. The night is almost gone. The day is at hand. And Paul's writing and saying, guys, this is a season of time and it's, it's urgent. The time may be limited. The opportunity may be brief. It's time to heed and obey and wake up if anything has fallen asleep. It's not a time for apathy, complacency, or indifference, but it's a time to respond. I'm telling you, we're living in that time. Do you sense that? Like, God, it's so exciting. It's so terrible, and it's so exciting. Next weekend, Georgian and Winnie are gonna be in Portland. They're doing this big, whole citywide Portland crusade. You know what? I know there's gonna be a huge harvest there because it's so terrible there. I mean, it's not terrible everywhere in Portland. We love Portland. It's a beautiful city, but Portland has been ravaged with riots and insanity for, you know, for a year or two, and I'll tell you, people are ripe because they're going like, is there an answer? 
that we bless you, commission you, that you carry the gospel of the goodness of God into a place that's been damaged and attacked by the enemy. It must be strategic. Amen, amen. Holy Spirit, come. I love how this, this whole passage from the New Living Translation really makes it understandable. This is about waking up. For New Living Translation, verse 11, this is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up! For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. By the way, this isn't talking about just, it's not talking about salvation like going to heaven. It's talking about salvation like being set free, like coming out of a limited place into a full place, coming into what God has for us, being the, the chains of oppression being broken off our lives, the delay being over. That's what he's talking about when he says our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. I'm making a declaration. The day of salvation will soon be here. So what do we do? Remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Come on, this is the armor of light, okay. Verse 13, because we belong to the day. Isn't that good? Do you belong to the day? Are you a child? We are children of the day. We were formerly darkness, now we are light. Paul wrote to the Ephesians. We belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, make no provision for the flesh. Don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. God, we just cancel every plan that might even become as a temptation into any mind of doing something bad. We cancel those plans, God. Wash our minds. We need some brainwashing here so that we're just, that we are fully given to being clothed with the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, come on. Now, you know, what wakes us up? So I'm thinking, okay, the word of the Lord is awake. What wakes us up? Well, light wakes us up, doesn't it? You know, that's why, yeah, as much as we don't like daylight savings time when it first occurs, I don't mind it because I wake up early anyway, but, but it's, it throws me off. Like, you know, I'm, we're, we're doing stuff and it's like, what time is it? It's seven o'clock. Seven o'clock! You know, because like two weeks ago, seven o'clock was deep, dark, night, you know, ready for bed. Now we're still like, oh man, you know, how are we gonna get up in the morning? So there is this, this one hour jet lag that the whole world experiences. And actually it's really weird, because uh, I travel and jet lag was just part of my life, used to be. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, but, so it never bothered me, but it, actually every year when they switch the time, there's like more, all kinds of bad things happen, car wrecks and people get stressed out and have, go to the hospital. Okay, that's enough. But, but the good thing about daylight savings time is even though it's dark in March when you get up at daylight savings time, you're kind of glad when you get to like June 15th, you're glad that it only, the birds start singing at 4.45 and not 3.45 and that it's light at five o'clock and not four o'clock. So it, it, it has its benefits. And this reminds me, our, our grandkids, we used to have them come a lot. Now they're 
bigger, and they still like to come, but they don't come as often, but they used to come over from New Jersey, and especially like in May and June, it was just like paradise, and all the kids would be there and stuff, and, they, and the kids would sleep up in our guest bedroom, which is on the second floor, and has windows, and usually, you know, there's lots of nice fresh air, so the windows are open, and right by these windows are these big trees that are, you know, full of leaves, so you, it looks really beautiful, and, and it's just like, oh, this is great, and so they'd sleep there, and they're all happy, and, but at about 4.45, the birds, that whole, those trees, for some reason, are like high-rise, you know, <laughs> apartments for birds, and it, 445, it is noisy. Like, it's not just like, oh, the birds are singing. It's like, rah, 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 rah. and so our oldest granddaughter, who's now, she might be watching at University of Florida this morning, but she comes down, she's about eight years old, and she walks into the kitchen, and she's not a morning person. All the other kids are morning people. Well, some of them are. <laughs> okay, but the, she walks in, this is so hilarious. This has got a picture of a little eight-year-old in pajamas, and she goes, those birds are so noisy, you know, like she's got a hangover or something, you know, it's like, like, but they, and they, the truth is they are noisy, and so, but how many know that wakes us up? So you wake, actually, when you're just around people, you wake them up. You were formerly darkness, but now you're light. So when you walk into a room, there's light in the room. When you enter a conversation, there's light in the conversation. There, you, when you go to a family gathering, there is light there. And not only is the light shining as this creative energy that it releases life and change and the possibility of, of repentance and sanctification, it does all this good stuff. But there's also the fact that that some people, this is the condemnation of the world, that light is coming into the world, and men liked the darkness, and they hated the light because their deeds were evil, and they didn't want their deeds to be exposed. That's John chapter three, and so there is this, have you ever just let your little light shine at the family gathering, and they all like, uh, you don't need to come back next year, you know, like, so, but guess what? You're just being like a bird, like, bah, bah, bah. we were singing this morning, don't be shy, my soul, there's a roar. There's a lion roar inside those lungs. So I just commission you to shine. I commission you to sing and wake people up. Okay. So for uh, Ephesians 5.13, last week we were studying about you were darkness, now you're light. Walk as children of the light. It, but then verse 13 says, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. So actually your presence in a situation or when you gather together, there's even more light. <laughs> and things become visible that were invisible. And anything that becomes visible is light. That is an interesting statement that I have to ponder for another 20 years. Okay, but, but then, he, then it quotes something. It says, therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And... Uh, and that's a, there's a rough reference to Isaiah, but many commentators think this was an early Christian hymn and that when the Christians would gather, they, somewhere in the meeting they would sing this and it was an invitation to unbelievers who had been there. Awake, awake, O oh sleeper. You're asleep in your sin. You don't know, you know, you don't know what's coming and... and uh, 
And, and it's a, like a, a lightweight to present the gospel, asleep in sin and aware of lost condition and tragic destiny. And, and it's just awaking them and saying, arise from the dead, repent, and Christ will shine on you. And when Christ shines on you, he shines in you. And, and you were darkness and now you're light. That's a, a really nice presentation of the gospel from um, many centuries ago. So, but anyway, so I was thinking about this and I, I wanted to discuss it because sometimes, even though we've been awakened in the sense that we were, we were born again, we were darkness, now we're light, but some of us are sleeping in the light. That was an old Keith Green song. But um, the, that we're, we're in the light, but our hearts are asleep. And what puts awakened hearts asleep? And so I was pondering this and, and I thought, well, this is not an exhaustive list. I'm sure there's probably other things. But I thought, well, one of the things is when disappointment and delay, we accept the disappointment, it makes our heart sick. And then de the delay that is so painful to us, we accept as final. And we just figure, well, it's just how it is. And so, but we're called to live in hope. We're called to, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So there is joy even if we're in hope and we never see the fulfillment in this life. There is this supernatural, uncreated joy and peace that fills us by the power of the Holy Ghost while we're believing. Uh, and so, so anyway, I thought of this story. Um, John 5, Pool of Bethesda. And, and there's this, this house of mercy, this place of stirring where, where the waters would stir and people would get healed and, and Jesus went there and, um, and there were lots of people there, lots of sick people. Verse three, John 5, three. In these lay, there were five roofed colonnades, okay? They had nice shade when it was hot. Verse three, by the way, the pool of Bethesda is gorgeous and beautiful and one day when Israel's open up again, it's a place, it's just a wonderful place to spend some time. And uh, in these lay a multitude of invalids who are blind, lame, and paralyzed. And so there are a lot of sick people there because it was a place where there was healing. It would be healing. Like some people write, you can tell if a commentator believes in the power of God or not. Some people say oh, it was a superstition. I'm thinking like, I don't think they were all there for superstition because every time when the waters would move, they would notice the first one to touch the water was healed. And there's something in that, some kind of message. Okay, but now our focus is on one man who'd been there for a long time. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And Jesus, when Jesus saw him and knew that he had already been there a long time, he spoke to him. Now that, that is like 30, you know, 38 years? That's 1983. So imagine if I hurt myself at work or I fell off. I, was, I think I was building a house in 1983 and um, I remember one, I was fasting for a whole week and I was doing framing and I was pulling all these boards up onto this deck that was 22 feet above the ground. Big, heavy, heavy redwood 
two by sixes that were, I, we called them pond dried because they had so much water in them. They're like, you'd hit them with the nail and water would squirt in your face. And I'm pulling these and I'm just doing it and I'm being careful and I'm walking on this piece of plywood that is not nailed. And each time, you know, I'm pulling heavy boards up and stacking them on the deck because I'm gonna cut them. They're on joists, not, not a deck, but the, the framework for a deck. And I'm putting them there and I don't realize, but as I'm doing this, the plywood I'm standing on is scooting forward, and I, I don't have it tacked to one of the joists. So it's slowly moving forward, and I don't know it. And, so as, and I'm there by myself after seven days of fasting. This isn't very smart. And, uh, and I'm pulling this big 22-foot redwood two-by-six up on the deck, and suddenly the plywood that I've been walking on goes whoop, and I'm looking at it, and it's like a cartoon. I start running, and it just runs. As I'm running, the, the board just goes right down, and then I'm looking at these uh, two-by-ten joists, and, and I'm like, okay, and down below there is a, there's a table saw set up, and some, some, I mean, it wasn't running, but it, you know, there's sawhorses and all kinds of debris, and if you fall from 22 feet, that's not a good landing. And so I'm, I'm calculating what are my chances of surviving, and I'm thinking I have two little kids, I have no medical insurance, I have, uh, you know, and, and so I grabbed onto one of these joists, and I made it. This is exactly, it's like Wiley e. Coyote or something, I'm just there, like, ah, and I'm dangling in the air, and no one's around, so I slowly work my way over to this big beam, and I work over to this post, and I shinny down the post, and I think, that was stupid. So my, my, my well, I made a commitment. I am not going to frame this house when I'm fasting and I'm all alone. <laughs> so, so, the, but, so anyway, if I had, sorry, I, that was a long rabbit trail. Okay, quick. Um, but I thought, you know, what if I had, had severely injured myself and, I could, and the rest of my life was just laying at this pool hoping Jesus would come by. That would be a sad life. We'd still be in California. Our oldest daughter was eight years old at that, on that year. And it was like, ooh, that would be, like this guy's life stopped and stayed stopped. So this guy, you understand, and plus all he's been around is sick people. There were a great multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed, not, God has mercy on sick people, but sometimes if we're always around people who have, you know, if you're an addict and you're trying to get free, you don't want to spend all your time with a bunch of addicts, you know? So, like, like his, this is like normal life to him. He's just been there and it's been going on for a long time. And Jesus saw him and knew that he had been there a long time. I'm telling you, some of you have been discouraged by delay and disappointment and God knows it's been a long time. And he has a word for you. So he has a word for this guy. Do you want to be healed? <laughs> and he didn't say yes. Here's what he said. Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. So he's got two problems. One is he, doesn't, he feels isolated. No one's there to help him. And secondly is the other the other invalids are faster than he is. So he's just kind of given up, like, oh, you know, at least I have shade. I'm here under the colonnade of Solomon. And, uh, 
And you know what? Jesus answered his deep discouragement with these words. Get up. Take up your bed and walk. And at once, the man was healed. I just want to declare it, that there are some of you that you've been, you've been like up against this thing for a long time. You haven't completely given up, but you've sort of given up and just settled like, okay, you know, I, I'm, this might be my whole life, and I just want to declare that there are suddenlies that are opening up there are openings that Jesus comes, he's gonna step in, because this is the season. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. He's very near right now, and he's stepping into your situation, and he sees how long it's been, and, it's been, and when he talks to us, notice the man gave the wrong answer, and it didn't stop it. <laughs> he said, oh, and Jesus said, get up. So he just release those words, God. Just jar us, wake us up, get us out of our despondency, break the delay, amen. Okay, second, situations that seem beyond hope. I mean, it's just like, you can't even imagine it. I love Elisha. I think Elisha is so much, to me, Elisha's more interesting than Elijah, and I love them both, and when I see him in heaven, I'll apologize to Elijah. But, but you know, <laughs> Elisha, just has all these great stories and they involve a lot of people, you know. So he, in Second Kings 5 and 6, you know, he heals Naaman and then, uh, then later he's sitting having coffee with his servant and his servant sees the armies of, this is crazy, Naaman was a Syrian general. The next chapter, the king of Syria is trying to destroy Israel. And so the, pro, the prophet's servant goes, Master, why are you just sitting here drinking coffee? Don't you see how big, there's an there's army all around us. And, and Elisha says, oh, Lord, open his eyes. He says, there's more for us than against us. And he sees all these angels. And it's like, done. And then the entire Syrian army gets stricken with blindness. They march them about 50 miles to the city of Samaria. They walk in, their eyes are open, and they give them a feast. It's awesome. So then there was peace with Syria for a while. But later in the same chapter, in chapter six, the, the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, he was a bad guy, and Jehoram was also a bad king of Israel. He says, ah, I'm just gonna go conquer Israel. So he sends his army and they lay siege on Samaria, the capital city, and it's so bad, everybody's starving. Second uh, Kings 6.25 says there was a great famine. Like, not just a famine, but a great famine. And people were, like expense, the most expensive, best food you could buy was a donkey's head. And it, like who wants to eat a donkey's head? Not these people, but it's all there was and it costs a lot of money. And then if they couldn't afford a donkey's head, they had something cheaper, it was dove's dung. I'm not sure what they did with that, but you could get a cup of dove's dung and it, get, and it gives the price, you know, it was like, this is a bad situation. On top of that, there were women with young children eating their children. And so the, like, this is insane. And so the king, King Jehoram, rips his robes and he has, he has like a hair shirt underneath and he's, you know, he's, he's feeling terrible about this and he gets so mad, he says, this is, must be Elisha's fault. He sends a soldier, go kill Elisha. So then, 
went, Elisha's with his buddies at, and they hear bang, bang, bang on the door. And Elisha says, well, that's, that's the soldier, but don't open the door because the king will be falling. So the king must have like, you know, five minutes after he sent the soldier said, oh no, I better not kill Elisha. So he runs after Elisha. And so they wait and when the king gets there, they open the door and 1 Kings 7, 1, Elisha says to the king, hear the word of the Lord. Around this time tomorrow, there's gonna be so much wheat and so much barley that the price is gonna be super low and everybody's gonna have all they want to eat. And the king's chief military officer who had come with him said, that is absolutely crazy. Even if the windows of heaven opened, it still could not happen. And so Elisha said to him, well, you're gonna see it with your own eyes, but you're not gonna eat it. And that guy actually died when the breakthrough came. But, but so he gives this word of the Lord, this time tomorrow, very specific. And what, how God does it is that night, there's these four lepers outside the gates of Samaria. And lepers were not allowed in the city and everybody stayed away from them. And lepers just lived by begging and by mercy. So they're outside a city where people are eating donkey's head and women are doing things we can't even imagine and, and they're going like, oh, this is dumb. We're just gonna starve to death here. They're not gonna give us anything. If they throw anything over the wall, we won't want it. And, and so they said, well, why don't we go, let's go down to the enemy's camp and see if they'll give us some food, and if not, they'll kill us and put us out of our misery. Good plan, okay. This is a hopeless plan in a hopeless situation. So these four lepers set off down the road, and it's nighttime. So in the night, they start walking down the road toward the Syrian camp, and God releases a miracle because their footsteps, clunk, 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 become the sound of horses and chariots and a mighty army coming to attack the Syrian camp. And the Syrian soldiers, who they have, these guys have slaughtered everybody. They're terrified. They they get up, they leave their tables where they're feasting, they leave everything and they run for their lives all the way down to the River Jordan. They're throwing off their weapons and extra clothing and they just, they are scared out of their minds. So when the, when the lepers show up at the camp, they go, man, it's awfully quiet here. Wonder what happened. And they open the, the tent flap and they see a banquet table with all this food and steaming roast beef and Glass, cups of wine, and you know, that, and they just sit down and they go like, whoa, and they're feasting through the night. That's the best food they've had in years, probably, their, maybe their whole life. They're eating all this great food, and then somewhere, one of them says, you know, we better go, we better go tell the people back at, at Samaria because they're all starving to death, and we're, man, we can't, we're, like, we've eaten so much, I'm not sure if we can walk back or not, it's gonna hurt. And say, we better, God will not like it. And they go, okay, so they do it. So sometime around dawn, they get back to the city of Samaria, knock on the door, what do you guys want? Stay away, you're unclean. You know, they said, well, we just wanted to tell you there is more food than you can imagine down the road where the army was, but they're all gone. They go, oh, it's, and they, in the city, they said, it's a trap. They're trying to, they're trying to trick us. They sent these lepers here so we'd all go out and as soon as we go out, they're gonna take over the city. 
So they sent out a, a reconnaissance squad on some horses and they went and they looked at the camp and they came back and said, yep, that's it. And they even went all the way down to the river and they said, and they've all, whatever scared them, it really scared them because there's like clothes everywhere. And, uh, and so when that word got out in the city, they opened the city gates and imagine 100,000 starving people rushing through the gates, and right there by the gate was the captain, the military leader, who had said it could never happen, and they trampled him. You know, I mean, this happens, like it's like a, you know, when someone yells fire in a big building that people get trampled, and that professional soldier got camped, told, he got trampled, and he, heard, he saw it, but he never ate it. And I just want to declare that you guys, you may be in a situation, God used the most unqualified people to bring the breakthrough. And that God will release in your life people and situations that bring breakthrough where it seems absolutely impossible. And just declare it over your families, over your businesses, over your finances, over your health, that you know, it may look like you're surrounded, but we're surrounded by him. All right, so, and last, lastly, this is the last one. Um, Sometimes we're discouraged because we know that it's naturally impossible, you know, and on top of that, it's utterly ridiculous. John 17, um, God is speaking to Abraham, and, and he says that he is going to give Sarah, bless her, and give her a son, give Abraham a son by Sarah. When, when Abraham hears this, this is the father of our faith, of all who believe, Genesis 17, 17, then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. <laughs> God, oh, that's such a good one, God. I don't know if it just thought God was joking or what, he starts laughing and he says, oh yeah, right, a child born to a man 100 years old and Sarah, 90 years old, have a child, oh, that's a good one. God, how about just let Ishmael be my son? And then God said, no, Sarah, your wife will bear you a son and you'll call his name Yitzhak, laughter, the one who laughs. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. And then he goes on and he blesses Sarah. And then, but listen, he says, Abraham, I will establish my covenant with Isaac. And Sarah will bear him to you about this time next year. There's a season. Knowing the time, there's a season to believe. There's a season. And so Abraham believed. He goes back home. He's there. And, and very shortly after that, the Lord comes in a, in a theophany or Christophany. God the Son appears as a man with two angels who appeared as men. And they come visit Abraham. And he, they, you know, good Middle Eastern hospitality, they, they make a big feast for the three men. This is amazing. The God of the universe, he's sitting around waiting for Abraham to slaughter a calf, cook the calf, make the bread, make the, all, all the stuff. And so when they're eating, he tells them, he repeats this again, and Sarah overhears it. Genesis 18, 12, Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Like she's just going like, this is ridiculous, look at God. But you know what? 
In their laughter, they both, obviously, they came to faith because within a few months, they conceived by faith. Sarah was strengthened and conceived by faith. Abraham was strengthened and he was strong in his faith. They conceived and that time next year when they came back, Isaac was there. Come on. So sometimes we know, and here's what the Lord says. He says to Abraham, hey, Abraham, why do you think your wife's laughing? Why did Sarah laugh? I don't know, you better ask her, you know, and then, then she got afraid, and, uh, but the Lord answers, because he was really asking Abraham, Abraham, I want you to think about why did she laugh, and it's because she thought it was too hard, and so the Lord says this in verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord, and that's the question, is, is your situation, is my situation too hard for the Lord? Is the situation our nation is in, your family is in, your finances are in, your health is in, is it too hard for the Lord? So God, we, I just pray that as we awake, you would release faith, that you would release expectation, that we would live in hope, that our hearts wouldn't be sick, that we would rise up, we would get up, we would wake up, and we would believe you know, and so this is, I mean, this is normal, but I just want to declare this, that now it is time. <laughs> now it's time to awake, that it's, we're living in a season of suddenlies and things. Already, how many of you, and I, you don't have to raise your hands, but I know some of you, a year ago, as all of this shutdown was happening, that was actually, I mean, in many ways, damaged the world economy. <laughs> wasn't the virus, it was the shutdown that damaged the economy. It stopped travel, it stopped interaction, it made supply chains almost impossible. And so many were thinking like, what are, are, where are we going to be next year? And many of you had your best year ever. Some of you didn't, and I don't wanna hurt, <laughs> hurt your feelings, but isn't it amazing, don't you think God knows that you're, doesn't he see your situation? And isn't that breakthrough coming? I just, I mean, testimony after testimony of like, we can't explain it. It's the best year ever. We can't explain it. Like, our, you know, the volume of our work went down, but our profits went up over and over and over again. God knows how to deliver his people in every situation. So I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up. And I want to declare God a season of unexpected breakthroughs, a season where we wake up and we believe, where we wake up, where we stand up, where we put on the armor of light, that we bring forth all this amazing fruit and that, we, that you will be overtaken by goodness and mercy. For the, and like Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him, that you will see the situation, you'll see the race set before you, and you'll run it with joy and endurance, and you'll break off everything that would slow you down. In Jesus' name. Father, I just pray for breakthrough and release. If you're, if you're in a situation, and almost everybody is, so you just lift your hands and we would just say, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you release breakthrough, would you release those words where we re actually realize that you've walked onto the scene, you've seen us and you know how long it has been and you know the need. God, we pray for breakthrough for ministries, breakthrough for families, breakthrough for, for a life of faith and joy, breakthrough 
for businesses, breakthrough in every realm of our life. We pray for favor. God, even if, we, if our light is not welcomed in one place, it would just lead us to the place where it's welcomed. That, you would, that your presence would be upon us, that your living presence would be upon us, that we would be light wherever we go, that we will not be censored, we will not keep our mouths shut, we will share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone that where there's an opportunity and a listening ear. Father, in Jesus' name, release boldness, release joy, release expectation, that we might awake and arise, that we might count it all joy, that we might know that you've got things in store that have never crossed our mind and that we know you're looking for those whose hearts are blameless toward you. God, let this be a time to show yourself strong. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Amen, 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 amen. amen. Thank you, Jesus. So I know, um, you know, I want to dismiss, but I want to say if you don't, if you say, I want someone to agree and in prayer with me for this breakthrough, I invite you to come forward. If you came here hoping, God, I hope somebody will pray for me for healing. Somebody will pray for my finances. Someone will pray for my family. This, you're in the right place. Okay, so I just invite you to come forward. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ or you've been... You're, you tried it once and you're, it's so far in the past, you don't even know if it was real or not, but you're hungry and your heart is longing. I'm telling you, God, it, come up, just come up today and God will release an awakening in your life. He will raise you from the dead and, his, and he will shine on you and in you in Jesus' name. So as I bless and dismiss, I'd like if you want prayer for any of these things, please make your way forward. And there's more, there's more, there's more. Just make your way forward in Jesus' name. The rest of you, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face be shining on your lives. May he be gracious to you as you realize goodness and mercy are running you down and running you over. May you know that when you pray, he lifts his countenance toward you. His eye is on you. He hasn't forgotten you. And may his shalom, his peace be upon you that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing as you bear his name into the world. Go and shine like light. Amen? Amen. Amen.